Thanks for being a part of the Fearless Army. Drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and when you do, ask me a question in the comments. Each week, we'll compile your best questions and answer them on air. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I'm Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Tuesday. Thanks for joining me. Hope you're ready for an awesome show because we have one today. Virgil Walker is going to be here a day early uh, today because he's going to react to my fire starter. Steve Kim's going to react to my fire starter. Then I'll talk about some other sports related stuff uh, with Steve Kim. Awesome, awesome show uh, for you today. Uh, we'll get it started by instructing you, those of you listening over Apple, start pounding that five-star rating. You get, it's critical that you pound that five-star rating. Uh, also write a review of today's show or just past shows or any, just leave a comment, write a review. Uh, if you're watching over YouTube, hit the likes. That's critical. Uh, make sure you're getting those notifications. Make sure you're hitting the subscriptions. Make sure you're helping us fight the algorithm that's trying to stop uh, this fearless movement and trying to stop the truth from being talked about and discussed, uh, trying to stop your thoughts from being provoked and giving you a, do, a different and a better perspective on life. Uh, so help us fight the algorithm. You can email me any feedback you have at fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. I love the emails I've been receiving. I appreciate the feedback. Uh, thank you guys so much. Um, before I uh, start this fire, I do want to, <laughs> you guys know I love talking about preborn. I mean, seriously. I, 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 I love talking about preborn because it is so critical. And, and at some point, either this week or next week, I got this whole gigantic take that's all connected to preborn. And it's all connected to setting your mind right with the belief that life begins at conception. And I'm going to walk you through how that's critical and how that belief system, that life begins at conception, actually determines the success of your children and the success of young people. I'm gonna walk you through all of this. Everything that we do related to preborn directly impacts the fearless movement and the fearless mindset there's so much synergy between us and preborn. And that's why I hope you guys are hopping on board and supporting preborn. Because when you're supporting preborn, you're supporting me, you're supporting the show, you're supporting our worldview that makes the world a better place. No organization, no group supports the mindset, the belief, the fact that life begins at conception better than preborn. They provide ultrasounds to expectant mothers who are considering abortion. The mother gets that ultrasound, hears that baby's heartbeat, sees that baby's image, boom. She's now twice as likely to choose life. And that's when preborn comes in and provides her all the support she needs to get through that pregnancy and through the first two years of that baby's life outside the womb. As fearless soldiers, we donate to preborn. Whether it's $28, whether it's $280, whether it's a reoccurring amount 
We support preborn because that's part of our fearless mission. That's part of backing up our belief that life begins at conception and we receive all the benefits from that worldview that life believes, begins at conception. And so there's two ways to give to preborn. Guys, you know what to do on your cell phone, phone, pound 250, say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, say the keyword baby. Or give the way I prefer to give, preborn.com slash fearless. That's preborn.com slash fearless. Join the fearless movement. Back up your joining of the fearless movement by supporting preborn. Uh, and so, look, as a reward for you supporting preborn, Check out this fire starter I prepared for you today. It is awesome. A lack of gratitude may be the most harmful consequence of America's abandonment of Christian values. The Bible could be appropriately renamed the Book of Gratitude. Its 66 books weave a narrative that fills a genuine believer with a spirit of thankfulness, obligation, and indebtedness. We owe everything to Christ, the God in human form who suffered and died on a cross. The recognized debt we owe him imbues believers to think, see, and act in a spirit of constant gratitude. Gratitude is the gateway drug to grace. When I think of my deceased father, I don't ponder our disagreements, of which there were many. I marinate on the sacrifices he made for my advancement. The same goes for my mother, brother, stepsister, and stepbrother. That spirit of gratitude extends beyond my family, close friends, mentors, coaches, teachers, and co-workers. It extends to my ancestors in this country, the men, women, and institutions that made America the freest, most opportunity-rich, safest, and fairest place on earth for all people, but especially for black men. I owe all of my ancestors a huge debt. George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Richard Allen, Frederick Douglass, Abraham Lincoln, Booker T. Washington, Jackie Robinson, and Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, all of them. Gratitude diminishes the importance of their flaws and elevates the importance of their sacrifice. Modern American culture diminishes gratitude and elevates the importance of culture divined virtue. Gratitude leads man to God. The pursuit of virtue makes man a slave to the world. I bring all this up to explain why a 40-year-old writer at Deadspin, Karan J. Phillips, would attempt to make a costumed child at an NFL game the face of racism. Phillips is a full-grown man. He holds a master's degree from Syracuse's allegedly prestigious Newhouse School of Journalism. He's worked as a journalist for more than a decade. For the past three years, Phillips has written racial hot takes for Deadspin. On Monday, he reached a new low. He took an image of a small white child wearing a headdress, Travis Kelsey jersey, and face paint from the CBS TV broadcast of the Chiefs Raiders game and wrote a jumbled mess of a column that called for the NFL to speak out against the Kansas City Chiefs fans in blackface, native headdress. Here's the beginning of Phillips's race bait column. It takes a lot to disrespect two groups of people at once. But on Sunday afternoon in Las Vegas, 
a Kansas City Chiefs fan found a way to hate black people and the Native Americans at the same time. Well, <clears throat> from the comfort of his couch or a bar stool, Karan Phillips discerned that a costumed child in Las Vegas hates black people and Native Americans. Phillips doesn't know the child's name. He's never met the child or the child's parents. He saw the child's image flash across a television screen. No one with an ounce of gratitude in his soul would reach such an outlandish conclusion. Only someone seeking the perception of virtue would target an unknown child for this kind of public smear. At the top of Phillips's article is a picture of the unknown child featuring the half of his face that is painted black. The other half of his face, as you've seen, is painted red. Sports fans have been painting their faces for decades. It's a harmless and pointless tradition. It's fun. There's no malicious intent. I used to spend a lot of time in Las Vegas. It's not the kind of city where random adults seek racial conflict. No adult would send a small child into a 70,000-seat stadium in an outfit that conveyed hatred towards black people or Native Americans. Who wants that kind of unnecessary drama? Hmm. People pursuing virtue do. Because in their warped view of the world, there's nothing more virtuous than victimhood. Virtue seekers want to be Jesus. They need, they read themselves into the Bible. They read the Bible as an autobiography. They place themselves on the cross. They want the world to feel obligated to, thankful for, and indebted to them. They read the Bible the way Satan reads it. They pursue a virtue, a power, and an omnipresence that rivals God. They reject gratitude. The rejection of gratitude explains modern American culture. When you start each day thinking about what Christ suffered, you refuse victimization. The slights, inconveniences, insensitivities, and occasional disrespect you suffer seem inconsequential. The burdens, misfortunes, unfairness, and attacks you endure are interpreted as weightlifting sessions that make you stronger for the next battle. When a spirit of gratitude truly takes root in your heart and mind, your daily focus is on repaying the debt you owe rather than a foolish journey of proving you have suffered as much as your ancestors. Americans of all ethnicities suffered and died so that I could live free. What do I owe them? I have to take advantage of and protect the freedoms and opportunities that they created. A country and a government cannot liberate mankind from unfairness. Only the return of Jesus Christ can do that. Secularists believe man can deliver what Christ promised. Man is capable of gratitude and obedience. That's it. Those are our superpowers if we choose to unlock and use them. Gratitude and obedience should compel us to repay the debts we owe our ancestors, not to seek to imitate their suffering. We look foolish doing that. We look ungrateful. Imagine dying during the Civil War. 
or while protesting to eliminate legalized racial discrimination and seeing your ancestors claim that a face-painted child at a football game is expressing racial hatred. Imagine allowing your pursuit of public virtue to bait you into demonizing a child you saw briefly on a television screen. This is just one of the many consequences of a culture that has turned hostile to Christian culture. The beauty of America is that you don't have to believe what I believe to recognize the inferiority of secular culture. That is my fire starter. I, I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that it didn't go over anyone's head. Let me, let me take a moment just to reiterate a couple of the points that, that I'm trying to hammer home. We, we, th there are all these people that think Christianity and Christian values are the problem with America. Th they're in total error, and, and they're starting to figure it out. And I've mentioned this before on the show about someone like Bill Maher who's built an entire brand around demonizing Christian faith and religious faith. His entire brand is built around that. He's reluctant to admit it, but he's waking up to the fact that like, oh man, this Christian culture that I've mocked, it actually worked better than this highly secular culture that I've embraced. As, as Bill Maher has watched people uh, demonize him, demonize his right to free speech, become incredibly intolerant of people with different opinions, he, he's starting to realize, like, wow. Hey, man, those good old days actually were good old days. Back before everyone hated Christianity, Back when this was a Christian culture, a comedian could crack jokes and say and do about anything he wanted. In this woke, secular environment where man has made himself God, where the social justice warriors are judge and jury over the behaviors of others, where they've eliminated grace and gratitude and forgiveness and all these other values that we took for granted that come straight from the Bible. He, he's starting to realize, now he'll never, I don't believe, he'll never, until Jesus comes back, he'll never admit that he was wrong. But he's let off every sign that he gets it now. And, and, and this lack of gratitude that we've embraced in America, it, it, it has such a domino effect. When you don't wake up every day and, and your first thought isn't like, holy cow, God, thank you for waking me up and giving me a, another day to correct some of these mistakes I've made, to engage with my kids, to see my mom and dad, to make coffee for my wife, for my wife to make dinner for me, for you know me to take care of my aunts and uncles, or for me just to go out and enjoy all this beauty you created. And, and, and oh my God, and you, what a blessing it is to be born and have citizenship 
in America. Wow, what an incredible blessing. I could have been born in Iran or Iraq or Thailand or one of these third world countries where people don't have the right to free speech, where, where there is no Second Amendment. You can't protect yourself from a tyrannical government. I could have been born in any of those places. But I was born here and my ancestors suffered things, endured things and fought things so that I could live free. Holy cow, do I owe them a debt. And the debt that I owe them has nothing to do with demonizing little children and seeking revenge for things that happened 50, 100, 20, 20 days ago. I don't care if it was 100 years ago or 20 days ago. Seeking revenge for that. That's not how you repay your ancestors who made incredible sacrifices so that you could live free. They wanted you to live free so you could take advantage of freedom. Not try to cast yourself as the second coming of Jesus Christ. And oh, I'm a victim, and my God, and there's little white kids wearing face paint, and oh, the indignity, the disrespect. Oh, I mean, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows my sorrow. I mean, when I was sitting in my New York, Chicago apartment, and that little white kid flashed across my screen in a headdress and half his face painted black and the other half painted red. Oh, I nearly died. I felt like Kunta Kinte. Oh, you're an idiot. You're not Jesus Christ. You're not a victim. People suffered and died, black and white people suffered and died so that you could live free. And you're returning that thank you by putting on a bad imitation of them. You're, you're, you're trying to be Jesus Christ. You're trying to make everyone think you're virtuous. You're not virtuous. You're born into sin, in need of a savior, in need of obedience to the word spelled out in that book, that book of gratitude. We've eliminated gratitude, and that's why our country has gone to hell in a handbasket, and that's why we argue and bicker and fight about things that do not matter. Children dressed up as Indian chiefs supporting the Kansas City Chiefs. Karan Phillips wants the NFL to speak out and, oh, God, if we could just take away the nickname of the Kansas City Chiefs, oh, America would be a much better place and this would be so much fair. And if kids didn't wear paint on their face, oh, because again, in Karan Phillips, ignorant little mind, uninformed, willfully ignorant mind. That's the racism that he's been put on this earth to fight against. Now, he won't say a word as Planned Parenthood clinics 
are built in every black community. And, and, and the left tells a black woman the most empowering thing she can do is murder her baby in the womb. That unfairness, the slaughter of children in the womb, that's something to fight against. But why do that? That's problematic. That might cost me money. I won't be popular at all the parties. Standing up to little eight-year-old white boys, wearing uh, an Indian headdress, that's courage. Hats off to you, Karan Phillips. You're, <laughs> I mean, when I think of heroes, I think of Karan Phillips and everyone who supports him. Uh, so uh, that's my fire starter. Uh, I'm going to bring on Virgil Walker here to see if, have I misinterpreted the Bible? A am I wrong for calling it a book of gratitude? We'll let Virgil uh, be the expert on that today. Then we'll get to Steve Kim and some other sports topics. Before I go, though, I want to talk to you guys about uh, Phil Robertson's new movie for years. Hollywood has been lacking when it comes to stories of redemption. Movies and TV shows have trended towards the anti-hero, the flawed person who makes no effort to change and just becomes worse and worse as the story goes on. Well, here's some great news. The Blind, the true story of the Robertson family, is now available for purchase on Blaze TV. Maybe you've made a mess of your life. Maybe someone you love is in a dark place. Maybe all the above. If you or someone you know feels beyond redemption, you need to watch this movie. You'll see there is always hope, always. The Blind takes you on an incredible journey through the life of Phil Robertson, giving you an intimate look into the man behind the legend and the trials, the triumphs, and the values that have shaped him through the years. While The Blind wasn't a Blaze Media production, since Phil is such a big part of our Blaze TV family, we wanted to make sure you had the opportunity to stream it here. Because it isn't ours, we can't include it as part of the subscription. But if you'd rather purchase it and stream it here rather than Apple and Amazon, we wanted to make sure the opportunity was there. So act now. Don't miss this opportunity to own The Blind, a Phil Robertson story on Blaze TV. Buy it today at blazetv.com slash theblind. For $19.99, that's blazetv.com slash theblind. All right, you can email me and us, fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. Uh, if you're listening on that over Apple, hit that five star rating. Virgil Walker. It's my obligation to hate discrimination, raising up your hands for freedom. Jason Whitlock, previously on Fearless. Again, when you walk off a college campus and become an instant millionaire. It stops, it, it, it hinders your understanding of how normal people operate in this world. You become disconnected. And so there's all these people that think LeBron and these other athletes can relate to normal people. The reality is they can't. Anytime at 18 you become a multimillionaire, and then you spend the next 20 years of your life as a multi, 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 and eventual billionaire, you're removed from the reality. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's roll out to Atlanta, bring in uh, Virgil Walker. Uh, Virgil, um, what do you think of my mono, my column? about gratitude and, the, and one of yeah. the consequences, the lack of gratitude uh, being one of the consequences of our abandonment of Christian values. Yeah, I, I think it's important, Jason, what you're, what you're laying out. We are in a, a season and a time when, you know, we just, we just wrapped up the, the Thanksgiving holiday and should have a clearer picture of the importance of gratitude. I, I even, I'll even take, I go back to uh, when, when we had the, the event, uh, the barbecue there where, where you were and you were, you were talking with the men there and letting them know the importance of the, you know, having a heart of gratitude, having a desire to give back, believing that those who came before you paid a price and a debt that we now owe. And, and so we, our culture has, has been absolutely devoid of that idea. We've actually uh, embraced the opposite of that, that we, that we're, that we're the ones who are owed. Like, like we, you know, we deserve more. We, 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 we live in such an entitlement culture uh, that we've abandoned uh, the idea of gratitude. And, and I think, I think it's important that we bring those ideas back, that, that we understand our need to give back. All of that's important. Uh, so th- that I saw your article as, as kind of two pieces. One was the issue of gratitude. And I love how you framed thinking about your, your, you know, your family, your dad, uh, how you how you kind of walk through the great country that we live in and, and our forefathers, uh, what they what they endured for us to, to live in the great country that we do. All of that uh, is a is a part of what we should be thinking about it with a heart of gratitude. So what do you think of my saying, like, you know, Bible's a great name, but it could be the book of gratitude, that that should be the, when you read from Genesis to Revelation, your number one takeaway should be like, oh my God, what a debt I owe, owe. Jesus Christ and everybody else who sacrificed for me. And and so once you start thinking about the debt you owe Christ, that bleeds over into the debt you'd owe everybody else. Uh, and so am, am I wrong for thinking that that really if there was if I reduced the Bible to one point, it would be like, man, do we owe the big guy upstairs? Yeah, I, 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 I don't know that I would reduce it to that, but I do. I do believe this, Jason. I do believe that the end result of reading God's word should be a heart of immense gratitude. I, I would almost argue that the word gratitude is too small to uh, to really unpack what God did for us. Those of us who are in Christ, Ephesians chapter one tells us that before the foundation of the world, God the Father d- d- created us in an effort to, for us to be holy and blameless before him, that in love, 
He predestined us for adoption as sons. It says this in Ephesians uh, 1, 3 through 6. If you understand the magnitude, I, I explain it this way, that God knew before creation that we were going to mess things up, that Adam was going to mess things up, that Eve was going to mess things up, that you and I were going to mess things up, that Virgil of all people would definitely mess things up. So before he said, let there be light, he crafted a plan for you and I to be ransomed and redeemed from our sin-cursed world, that we would, that we through Christ would have the opportunity to experience relationship with him and, and eternal life forevermore. And, and he crafted that plan, had that plan put in place, Jason. And then it was at that point that when the plan was all consummated, was ready to go, he then said, let there be light. When you think about it from that standpoint, you should be blown away that God the Father, the, the, the eternal being, thought about you and I and created all of all of creation in such a way where through Jesus Christ, we would be ransomed and redeemed. If we understand that daily, if we embrace that daily, there should never be a day when we're thinking about something someone else did or something someone else said or something someone or, or, or some fabricated lie that, that, that you know, I know we're going to talk about uh, regarding, uh, you know, regarding face paintings. Who cares about that? The sovereign God of the universe ransomed me. He redeemed me. He, he, he brought me into into relationship with God, the father. How in the world could I be? Could I could I display a heart that doesn't amplify gratitude? So you set me up perfectly for my, the next thing I wanted to ask you in terms of when you, and people act like there are no consequences for a culture that has turned this secular. But but when you step away from a spirit of gratitude and, and your approach is the world owes me something, it magnifies these little slights. And so I'm sitting here thinking, what could a 40-year-old grown man sitting at home see a child on television in face paint and, in, oh, my God, I got to write a column about this. this. He's disrespected black people, and he's, and I'm like, and so for me, when I hear people complaining about Slights, and I'm not even sure if this qualifies as a slight, but it's some made-up slight. And I'm like, do you know what Jesus went through? Right. This is nothing. Do you know what my grandmother went through? Right. My grandmother saw the KKK come to her home, snatch her father up out of the home, take him out to a tree to hang him, and I'm supposed to get worked up? Because a kid went to a football game dressed like an Indian with a red and black face, I just it 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 just blows my mind. Like what world is Karan Phillips living in? I want to read his tweet and get your reaction to the whole thing, but his tweet as well. Uh, for the idiots in my mentions who are treating this as some harmless act because the other side of his face was painted red. I could make the argument that it makes it even worse. Y'all are the ones who hate Mexicans, but wear sombreros on Cinco. I, I, this guy wants to be Jesus. He wants to be up on that cross, man. He wants to be a victim really, really bad. Yeah. What's, what's your take? 
He's definitely in, engaged in a perpetual game of, of the vi victim Olympics. Uh, this is false outrage over so-called racism. And this is done time and time again by people who should know better. They attempt to do this. You mentioned it uh, at, at the top. They do this in an effort to be seen as a savior. But, but the reality, Jason, is that these people are satanic. They are absolutely satanic. They stir up dissension and discord for their own standard of trying to appear self-righteous. Uh, you have everything from things like the, the, the Bubba Wallace debacle at the at NASCAR with the hanging of the noose, uh, Jess, Jesse Smollett, uh, LeBron James had, you know, the, 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 the end that was written, I guess, on his home that no one ever saw or took a picture of. Uh, you, you have the, you, you have narratives that are false, like Michael Brown, hands up, don't shoot. And things like that go around the world before they're ever addressed. After a thorough investigation, you had the black police chief, uh, uh, the, the, the black attorney general who under Obama, Eric Holder, you had the black president, Obama himself, couldn't find enough evidence to substantiate these false narratives that were being that were being perpetuated uh, and, and had to had to release uh, or, or not bring a charge against the officer. Uh, whether it's false narratives surrounding people like George Floyd, you call him St. George Floyd, uh, Tr Trayvon Martin or Breonna Taylor. Racism is is so minuscule in our country right now that people have to make up stories in order for them to be a reality. They're pulling things that aren't even hidden in darkness. They're pulling imaginary ideas that they dream up into reality so that they can be angry about something or feel as if they're victimized in some way. This is an absolute insult to the ancestors who actually underwent real racism, real slavery, real Jim Crow that came before us. And what it should create in us is a heart of gratitude that those who went before us endured what we did not have to so that we can pontificate about these ideas in social media and in other spaces. Virgil, I want to slightly push back, give you the opportunity to clarify or react to my contention that I don't believe racism is minuscule in, in this era. I, I believe what they're doing is to distract from the actual racism that we're still experiencing here in America. And I'm gonna give you two examples. Uh, obviously, abortion and the slaughter of children, and particularly black children, where these Planned Parenthoods are all located. And then I'm going to give you the anti-white racism that is being promoted on college campuses that uh, has someone like, and this will irritate people, but I'm, it's just facts, Derek Chauvin and three other cops, uh, one of them white, one Asian, one of them half black, half white, they're sitting in prison right now because of anti-white racism. And, and all the facts point to that the, the, they were lynched and set up and scapegoated and used and sacrificial lambs. And so I, I look at these gimmicks of, hey, let's look at this little child on TV, but let's distract from the slaughter of black babies through uh, a eugenics movement orchestrated by Planned Parenthood, and let's ignore the anti-white racism that we've embraced all throughout the educational system, all throughout the criminal justice system, uh, and so, I, I think it, and, and, and racism is really just unfairness, and so it's just, 
it's a distraction from the unfairness that they that they actually that the Satanists actually enjoy and, and they want to bog you down. Look, no, 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 we're not doing anything satanic. Uh, it's, it's the little white kid at the football game. That's the problem. Right. Right. I, I, I would completely agree. My, 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 the point, the contention I was making about the, the minuscule nature of racism, it's the stereotypical narrative that blacks are always the victims in the way that, uh, that a white person is trying to undermine or subjugate them. I think you're absolutely right in that we're watching and witnessing racism on a grand scale in the, in the ways that you mentioned, whether it's, it's the, the, the continuation of Margaret Sanger's Negro project where she had black pastors and preachers telling black uh, black parishioners to go and, and murder their murder their babies that this, this was okay that this was a form of, of quote unquote planning parenthood that same kind of narrative is happening today in black churches uh, and no one's talking about it these black children are are taken to abortion mills and murdered by the millions and 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 people like uh, black lives matter could care less about that because it doesn't fit a particular narrative. I, I think you're absolutely right. The, the racism aimed at our at our white brothers and sisters, uh, we have to speak out against. And I know even as I say that, uh, there'll be folks that I'll oh, see he, he he's he, you know he's shucking and jiving for, for the white folks. If we're to operate from a standpoint of truth, anywhere we see lies, anywhere we see uh, uh, ethnic hatred, uh, anywhere we see that the sin of murder, hatred is equivalent to murder in the Bible, in scripture. When we see that, we should we have an obligation to speak out against it. Virgil, uh, thank you so much. Good to see you on a Tuesday. Uh, great job as always. Uh, we'll see you next time. Uh, for the, Hey, for you guys that uh, are like my mom and like to put a little action on uh, football games, Prize Picks is where you should do it. Prize Picks this football season, it's the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. My mom sent me some, some of her prize picks. She's selecting for Thursday night football this week. Uh, Geno Smith, the quarterback for Seattle, she has passing for less than 230 and a half yards. Uh, C.D. Lamb, the wide receiver for the Cowboys, more than 89 and a half receiving yards. And D.K. Metcalf, the wide receiver for the Seattle, more than 60 and a half receiving yards. Uh, I'm not sure about the D.K. Metcalf. Uh, how, how you combo that with Geno Smith, I'm not sure, Mama, but uh, I'll talk to you after the show. Uh, Prize Picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. Go to prizepicks.com slash fearless. Use the promo code fearless for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash fearless. Use the promo code fearless. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Steve Kim, the Green Coast Cell, next. Jason Whitlock, previously on Fearless. And I don't know what color Rock Johnson is or what his race is, but doesn't he own the XFL? 
or, or a big percentage of it? Isn't he the face of it? He started his own league. He didn't buy into the NFL. He's done the XFL. People have done this. Al Davis and the, those people from way back, uh, what's uh, Lamar Hunt, they couldn't get into the NFL club. They started the AFL and then forced their way into the NFL. That's America. This is the time of year many of us are thinking about how we're going to pay for our family's medical bills in 2024. Before making a final decision, here are three reasons you should take a look at healthcare sharing with Samaritan Ministries. One, you're part of a Christian community. When you have a medical need, fellow Samaritan members send money directly to you to help you pay your medical bills. And you'll do the same for them, all while praying for and encouraging one another. Two, there are no networks which puts you in control of your family's health care. You know what's best for them, so you choose the doctors and hospitals you go to and have a say in the treatments they receive. Three, you set your start date. Join today and start health care sharing with Samaritan Ministries right now or join today and choose what month you'd like to start. It's up to you. Whether it's a broken bone, cancer, pregnancy, or other medical emergency, you'll find comfort knowing you're connected to 80,000 Christian households across the nation who stand ready to care for one another spiritually and financially during a time it's needed most. And it could be more affordable than what you're paying now. Check it out at SamaritanMinistries.org slash fearless. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's roll out to Los Angeles, bring in Steve Kim, uh, Korean Cosell. Steve, uh, what do you think of Karan J. Phillips trying to crucify an eight-year-old child, or I don't know how, a 10-year-old child, a child for wearing face paint at a Raiders-Chiefs football game? Well, it's now par nowadays for the dead rag that at one point was was incredibly relevant, and I'll admit I enjoyed it at a certain point. But then there became a marker in time where they just flipped completely to this agenda. I don't know if it caused their irrelevance or it became the reason for their philosophical change. They used to be disruptors, and now they're just really, I think, abject, woke race peddlers. But in looking at your column and your monologue, and I'm just kind of thinking about what are my thoughts on it, Jason, I believe that this is really the natural evolution and the cause, and, and this is what it spawned off from the generation of Bomani Jones and Jamel Hill, that maybe years ago, um, specifically black writers such as yourselves, you, you know, you, you point to Mike Royko as your biggest influence. But if I go with like specifically black columnists and journalists, Ralph Wiley was a part of that generation that I read. And then you probably were someone that, hey, I enjoyed his work. He influenced me. Um, I don't know what you think of Terrence Moore. I've always liked his stuff. But this is what is the cause and the root of what we are seeing now in media it is the Jamel Hillification of, unfortunately, black journalists and black columnists, in my estimation. Steve, I get into trouble by saying this, but it's true, and I've said it before. But, but these are just really bad Jason Whitlock impersonators. I, I, I 
created the brand of writing about sports and culture issues and examining the racial elements of those issues. And I won a bunch of awards. I was highly celebrated. I got a bunch of opportunities. But I also took a lot of heat for like saying, hey, Don Imus isn't the problem. Gangster rap is. And these guys want the accolades and the opportunities. They don't want to take the heat that I took. And so they all lie and they do a woke version of yeah. me. And it's celebrated. It's embarrassing. It's, it's, it's. Well, uh, hold on. So wait a minute. You're Jason Whitlock. They're Jason Wokelock. Yeah. And, and see, here's what I think is the <laughs> impact and the influence of social media. So when you did your, I, I use, some call it infamous. I call it the classic 2007 NBA All-Star Weekend column. Um, you didn't, it really, there really wasn't Twitter. And, and, and it wasn't the burgeoning uh, or the explosion of social media. So even the people that were upset, they would just grumble and maybe they might write you an email or a letter to the editor or the weekend paper, wherever you're working at or whoever. Nowadays, because the immediacy of the response on Twitter and Instagram, a lot of these individuals, black, white, or anything in between, they are very afraid of negative feedback. And that's why they pander, right? So because if you would have wrote that article in 2023 or beyond when Las Vegas hosts its next All-Star game, and you wrote the exact same column, I'm not going to lie to you, Jason, I just would have gone on your timeline to look at the mentions and the responses because it would have been a lot of fun. And speaking of that, I truly believe as we're winding into the holiday season, just to hijack my show for a minute, um, I know we're going to look for some programming to keep everyone involved. I really believe we need to have a fireside reading of that said column with like a fireplace and you just <laughs> reading it line by line. That would be unbelievable. Oh, people need to hear that. <laughs> Steve, the col that column was, was impactful. It's yeah. not my best work. It, it was highly Im it impactful. But it, literally, because what now see, I remember that whole time frame. You're talking about 2006, 2007. That's, I mean, anything I touched at that point, from the Don Imus situation to uh, me exposing the fraudulence of the Genesis Six to NBA All Star Weekend. I mean, anything I wrote and talked about during that time span went in fuego, and and. But you make an excellent point in terms of we're in this era where, and again, it's, it play piggybacks off my point. We're in this era where the feedback, the heat is more immediate yeah. and your bosses can see the heat. And I'm telling when I wrote the Don Imus column, the Kansas City Star was flooded nationally with emails, letters to the editor, calls to the editor, and, and they actually enjoyed it. And right. it's actually why, it was part of the argument of why I won the Scripps Howard National Column Award and why they thought I was gonna win the Pulitzer Prize for columns that year is because of the intense reaction to all the work that I did during that time frame. And, and so there was a time when, when you could get people to react and positively or negatively, but just, you knew you were connecting with readers that that was celebrated. 
Now uh, you just want to make sure no one has a complaint about you because your bosses are reading Twitter. And if Twitter's going after you, your boss is so stupid and so cowardly, he or she thinks their job is on the line. They've, and I'm really going off on a tangent, but they put so many of these women in leadership positions. They read your Twitter timelines and they just go, oh, my God. Oh, people are criticizing Whitlock. We, we must stop it. And, and oh, my God, they're writing all these negative things about Jamel or whatever. And so we got to it, it's just weak, bad leadership and people that can't take the heat from being in the kitchen and just need to, you know, stay at home. But. Steve, I want to move on because I've, I've spent too much time talking about myself. I want to talk about Russell Westbrook. Mm -hmm. uh, he had another confrontation with another fan. Uh, the Clippers are having a terrible start. Westbrook is now coming off the bench. The addition of James Harden hasn't been great. Mm -hmm. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. The Clippers are a nightmare of a team. They're getting brutalized last night. Westbrook, play the video of Westbrook and this confrontation with the fan, and then we'll play uh, Westbrook talking with the media afterwards. I hope my mic is still on. He's in, the game is going on behind him, and he's bickering with a fan. That, that is incredibly unprofessional. They're paying this guy $30, $40, 50000000 million, and he's bickering with a fan while the play is going on. Here's Westbrook talking to the media about his harrowing experience after the game. I'm not going to speak on it, like I said, because that's not appropriate. But like I said, if I'm responding, there's a reason I'm responding. Um, and I will protect that always. I mean, it's a little different now. I tell people, man, like uh, when I was first starting the league, uh, maybe not so much. I used to get into it a little bit, but now having kids and understanding how important it is, not just myself, but my last name, understanding what Westbrook means, understanding what how important that is to, you know, my dad, my grandfather, my family. It's very important. It's a, something I stand on, and the respect is a big thing that's, that I value. Um, so the moment that line gets crossed, I won't allow no more. I, I stood for it for years, and now, oh my. My son is old enough to know what's going on and understanding, hey, you know, asking me, hey, dad, what does that mean? You know, what's that? Now I gotta, now I gotta stand on it. And regardless of where I'm at, what's going on, I'm always standing on that. So he's still whining about being called Westbrick. Your thoughts? Boy, it, it, that fan is lucky that they weren't, that the Clippers were not playing the San Antonio Spurs because Popovich would have just came over and body slammed that guy, <laughs> this frail old body of his, right? Um, if you really want to protect your legacy and, and your name, hey, Russell, put up a few more jump shots in the gym. Uh, I Look, I, I get it. I don't think fans should go around bringing up family members and saying things that are inappropriate. I certainly think profanity should be a line that should not be crossed. But uh, good old-fashioned nicknames and monikers, I, I don't understand this. What if a group of fans in a certain uh, section of a visiting uh, arena where the Clippers are the road team, what if they brought, like, styrofoam bricks, like old Victor Brick Jacobs in L.A., Southern California legend, or had those big fatheads of a big brick with Russell's face at the end of it what, what would he do? Would he actually go up into the crowd like Vernon Maxwell? 
I mean, would he ask for the game to be stopped and everyone thrown out? Or, or let's say the whole arena, like the Cameron Crazies would chant, West Brick. What, like, what would he do? I don't understand this. And I, I don't understand the NBA fans who still support this. It is their money. But you have a product where the people generally don't like you. Uh, they hate your politics. They don't like you personally. They don't like America. They sit out a lot of games. And then they threaten you. I don't know about you, but that doesn't get exactly a five-star Yelp review from the old Kimster. I'll tell you that much. It, it speaks to our level of idol worship and just yeah. uh, what Stockholm Syndrome. They're, they're captured. They love their, their captors. And these athletes and leagues and executives and coaches that can't stand them, they love making them rich. They love kissing their rear you know, oh, Russell Westbrook's making $40 million and he he averaged a triple-double. And, you know, let me genuflect in front of him. Could you imagine? He's soft as butter. Can you imagine? Yeah, yeah, but his jump shot's hard as a brick. But could you imagine if (laughs) T.J. Simers was still around what he would, oh my goodness. Because that guy did not care. I don't even know if he really liked athletes, but he would jab at guys. I mean, I can imagine TJ Simers coming right up to, to Russell and saying, hey, you know what you and Jerry Rice's father have in common? You both are really good at laying bricks. I just, I mean, they, he'd have so much fun with him. And, but this is, this is the issue is that, again, as long as that particular fan was not bringing up his family, not dropping profanity, um, and it was old-fashioned, just kind of heckling. I, I don't understand how in the world, number one, that Russell Westbrook can continually get away with this. And number two, he actually said, because it's not appropriate. All right, is he talking about his own behavior or the fans? He really should be talking about his own behavior. He's one of the most unlikable stars. I'm not going to call him a superstar in the history of professional sports. Let me move on. Uh, there's some backpedaling going on mm. in the sports media universe. Mm. Uh, you know, and perhaps it's going to, you know, Skip Bayless may approach Deion Sanders' levels of backpedaling. Uh, let's play these clips back-to-back. Uh, one, it's, it's Skip Bayless backpedaling and Keyshawn Johnson just babbling about Deion Sanders. These, these guys are on it now that Deion's 4-8 and eight and in last place in the Pac-12 they're, they're trying to babble and wiggle their way out of all the stupidity they expressed about Dion earlier in the season. Play Skip and then play Keyshawn Johnson. So allow me to apologize to Dion because I got carried away early. They won the first three games, and I thought at least they could go eight and four, and I went a little crazy because it we looked like – I, I know, but it looked like miracles were about to occur, and they actually did. But we put such a big target on these kids' backs right. that they we could did. not live up to or defend uh, because that's they're not ready right. yet. They're just, and yet they were in all these games. And they had Stanford down 29 to nothing and a half, and they had two bad games at Oregon and at Washington State. Well, that's pretty great. So when you start yeah. to look at that, Dion. First of all, Dion is going to be fine. His team's going to be fine. There's a portal that's going to open up. And there's a ton of players around the country that's looking for opportunities. And Colorado presents those opportunities for guys that actually could play football. You talk about the success. It's successful. He won four games. They won one last year. 
If he had won four over the course of this season, meaning like instead of four out. in the beginning, all of a sudden it was one and they lose right, two, right. then they win one and they lose four, then they win. We would sit up and say, man, he's doing a hell of a job. It- Ugh. Four games is successful. I love Jay Gruden. He, he went at uh, RG3 and said, man, I wish those standards had applied to me. I'd still be coaching. That was Jay Gruden. And then how about Skip? Instead of apologizing to the audience, hey, I misled you guys. I had bad information. Let me apologize to Dion. I, it's my fault, Dion. You did nothing wrong. We, I put a target on your back by overhyping the team. It's the media's fault. They're doing everything to, to, to prevent themselves from actually honestly analyzing what Deion Sanders did. Man, Skip Bayless, he's just become just a two-legged white guilt. It, it kind of reminds me, and this is going to be a terrible analogy, and I'm still going to say it, like these business owners in San Francisco that get robbed and murdered and the family says, hey, we want to apologize for white supremacy. We don't want to press charges. This is about the system. <laughs> they are the real victims. But anyway, we got to close up our business, and now we have a funeral to get to. Guys, you can say it. It fell apart late. It was a feel-good story in September. Reality hit in October. It fell apart in November. Jason, I watched that whole segment yesterday. I I tell you what was funny, though. Keyshawn actually tried to say that, well, they only got blown out in one game. And even Skip said, well, you know, Washington State. And Keyshawn said, no, no, they they were in Washington State, kind of. Um, Keyshawn? The score was 42-7 at halftime. That's kind of getting bl- – I didn't. I don't really know much about football, okay? Uh, but 42-7 at halftime is a blowout. Just just wanted to let you know. Jeez. It, it's, it's embarrassing. It, it's, it's really embarrassing. Steve, I got one final topic, and I, I really don't even know – what it is I want to say about this topic, but everybody's talking about over social media. Uh, we've got a new what about Brett Favre. We got a replacement for what about Brett Favre. Uh, now it's what about Josh Giddy. Uh, and for those of you that don't know, Josh Giddy is some Australian NBA player. I, I think this guy's around six foot ten. He, he's from Australia. Plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I looked up his stats. I'd never heard of the guy, just being totally honest. But I looked up his stats, and he's a player. He averages double figures in the NBA. He's 21 years old. I think last year he may have averaged 16 points a game. Decent player. But right now he's caught up in some controversy as it relates to a a girl that he was dating that's a junior in high school, and she may be 15 16 years old. It's not a good look for Josh Giddy. But everybody's talking, oh, my God. Malika Andrews is getting roasted because she's not talking about Josh Giddy, and they're playing every card in the book. They're bringing up who uh, Malika Andrews is dating. There she is, there she is with her boyfriend, Dave McMiniman, who also works for ESPN. Uh, Malika has had some strong comments I think about, and I, I can't even, I'm, I'm missing the name of some black athlete where they, Emi Udoka, yeah, she was critical yeah. of the Celtics coach who lost his job over, you know, uh, sexual impropriety with a coworker or whatever. 
She's made a little comment about him. I- anyway, I want to read you Des Bryant's tweet. We're not going to play. She did a little short report. I want to read Des Bryant's tweet. Malika Andrews, you went out of your way to crucify. Oh, this is the other one. Went out of your way to crucify Brandon Miller, the Alabama kid, uh, on draft something. Why haven't you said nothing about Josh Giddy? I advise you not to make this a black or white thing. Your parents really raised you wrong, and just because you went to a private school don't make you better. You appeal, and I know you're kind. You're just a puppet. I don't know how a former or current NBA player could sit there across from you and look at you with some kind of respect. Hmm. So Josh Giddy is the new what about Brett Favre. Uh, l- listen, if it turns out that he was having inappropriate relationships with a 15-year-old, obviously that's terrible. Uh, obviously police should be involved. Obviously, he should be punished, but as of right now, I think he's still an active member of the OKC Thunder. I'm not sure what they want Malika Andrews to do. I'm I'm not sure why we can't let the facts play out here. Kobe Bryant was accused of rape and continued to play throughout an entire NBA season. And no, that wasn't an underage girl, but there was an accusation of rape, and Kobe Bryant continued to play. Uh, we got to have a standard of justice here and all of this micromanaging of, hey, is there enough outrage directed towards this person? Uh, and is it immediate? This, this all seems very gimmicky and foolish to me. Well, sure. His last name now become Giggity Giggity. Shout out to all the family guy friends <laughs> out there. Um, went all quagmire. I have a question for Des Bryant. Would you have the same amount of... Um, Outrage for Malika Andrews if Giddy was black, though? Would you want that covered? Because when you say let's not make it or you're talking about making it a racial issue or not, well, that's exactly what you're doing because I get the feeling, just an assumption that I'm making, that if this was a black athlete, you wouldn't have had that tweet. Now, there's actually a point where I do agree with a lot of these people, though. If Malika Andrews is this feminist who cares about women's rights and the way men treat women, then yes, she should have the same amount of outrage. She should be calling into Stephen A. shows and trying to lecture and wag the finger. See, that part I actually agree with. Either you are a feminist that you care, but if now, if it's a lighter shade of, of paleness, and if you're laying off, yes, they actually have a point, but they're both kind of wrong here. Number one, Malika, for not having the same level of intensity but at the same time, only being upset at this on the opposite end because Josh Giggity Giggity is white. They're both wrong. <coughs> Versus the flu. No, qu- no question. Uh, Steve, just trying to sort through my own feelings. Because, again, I didn't know who this kid was. I had to look him up. When I saw the name, I'm like, I don't know. I don't follow the NBA like that anymore. And, and part of the reason is because – you know, just quite frankly, and and call me a nationalist, call me whatever. It's the same reason. I grew up in Indianapolis, and once the Indy 500 started having all these guys from foreign countries with names I couldn't pronounce, I checked out of the Indy 500, and I used to be a huge IndyCar 100 fan. Same thing going on with the NBA. Luka Doncic, as much as I like to watch him play, he don't hit me the same way that Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Isaiah Thomas – Michael Jordan, those guys that came with brands from college and were these great American success stories, it just doesn't connect with me the, w- the way that it, it does. And so 
I don't know if I'd have much passion if Giannis Antetokounmpo got into trouble because he ain't an American. I don't care as much about the NBA. It's filled with players from that straight out of high school didn't accomplish much in college or came from some foreign country. It's hard for me to get passionate about some guy I know nothing about. Uh, and so Emmy Udoka, Udoka, you know, he's the coach of the Boston Celtics. I kind of knew who he was. He led a team to the NBA Finals, I believe. I didn't even know who Josh Giddy was. And, and to this, I still don't. I'm not sure if Des Bryant really knows. Who's looking for the OKC Thunder that much since Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Russell Westbrook left? Anyway, not to make it see, I'm just keeping it real. Those are my thoughts. Yeah, it's the double standard, no standard. Uh, we have no standards for me, but a double standard for you. And again, I, I want to ask Des, um, would you be having the same level of outrage for the non-coverage if this was a black athlete, but also for Malika? Where is your level of outrage for an aggrieved female? Either you care about it at the same level or you don't. You're both wrong. Steve, uh, great job as always. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow or later this week. Uh, thank you, Steve. Hey, I need you guys to get some uh, Fearless Army swag for Christmas. I need you to go to shopblazemedia.com fearless. That's shopblazemedia.com backslash fearless. Use the promo code Jason25 for 25% off of all orders on Jason's shop. Get your Fearless Army gear for Christmas. What could be a better gift? You get 25% off if you use my promo code Jason25. Uh, that's tomorrow. That means we'll see you tomorrow. No negotiation, my sister, no relation. We all just want to have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone. I'll break my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back. We are receiving, all receiving. We all want to be free. We want freedom. I just want, I want to be, I just want. I wanna be, I just want, I wanna be, I just want